Hello, welcome. This is Kate McKenzie welcoming you to a wondrous interview with therapist Kate Daisy Grant, who is talking about her wonderful um, book and series of workshops with Rachel Blackman coming up around somatic resourcing during different seasons. And we're particularly talking about the darker months and considering what kind of resourcing and how you might think of resourcing um, from your own uh, experiences and other ideas they, they're going to bring in. I think it's a really, really enriching conversation and um, nourishing, just bringing attention to the time that you're in, wherever you're in. We're focusing particularly on the darker months, the cold, uh, going inward. Um, but also uh, we talk about deep brain reorienting and, and the, the deep brain and your inner witness. So I love this conversation. I hope you do. And... Um, uh, wishing you well. Thanks. So welcome, Kate Daisy Grant, today, and welcome to talking about uh, your aliveness lab, somatic, and your upcoming work as well, especially around resources, seasonal resources. Yeah, you're going to talk especially around seasonal resources for the darker months okay mm -hmm. you are uh, a musician and you've created music to calm the nervous system particularly lullaby which i've been to a concert of where we all lay down with blankets and pillows and were lullabied to, to, into calmness and bliss which is amazing you're also uh, a therapist trained in many modalities especially around the body and trauma and you've now created uh, resources with Rachel Blackman, uh, with workshops and a book with resources connecting to seasons and I imagine our daily lives. Yeah. And you're focusing at the moment, especially on the darker seasons and how to bring our aliveness and lightness to the darker months. So. Uh, that would feel like a lovely place to start if you'd be happy to start with bringing that resourcing to the darker months. Yeah, sure. So um, uh, with Rachel Blackman, who's a wonderful somatic educator and coach and trainer of somatic coaches, uh, we've been friends for many years and we've always had very interesting uh, conflabs about things that we've learned that don't always fit into our one-to-one -one sessions with clients because when a client's in front of you you need to be with what they're bringing not have you tried this new trick have you how about trying a little bit of that because it'll feel really misattuned of course and um, so we ended up with this beautiful stash of very usable adaptable uh, resources and little tips and tricks to feel more wellness and um you know what whatever resource needs to be kind of implanted into the difficulties of life we we sort of have a little tool for for most things just to sort of add comfort and goodness and you know awaken your own um resilience or i don't know comfort all the all the good stuff that our systems naturally know what to do if we give them the space and the encouragement to, um, you know, our own regulation, for example. And so what we've done is begun to work towards a book uh, of these tools, but weaving them into a sort of diurnal, uh, seasonal map. And how we're working at the beginning is to present seasonal invitations in in online workshops so we have uh, an upcoming workshop on the 18th 
of November, Saturday the 18th, uh, 10 a.m. to 12.30 uh, lunchtime in UK time, um, which will be a Zoom workshop for really being a light for yourself in these darker months, finding warmth, finding pleasure, finding um, the resource within a season that can be challenging for a lot of people. Um, so we're going to have various experiential uh, tasters and walkthrough experiences, um, as well as inviting participants to bring their own inquiry at the beginning. So what, what do they want from this or what do they, how would they most like to be in the darker months, for example? And so we journey with that inquiry through the two and a half hours. And so we're just as much inviting the participants own knowing, even their hidden knowings, especially, um, and their own somatic goodness that they already may be in touch with or not so in touch with, um, parts of them that, that know something about this inquiry. And um, so we, you know, we're just accompanying people with that evolution while uh, adding some perhaps useful tips in case people need to or feel the need to build more technology for themselves in their own nervous system around this season because we do our best that's that's what the aliveness lab is all about really like everyone's doing their best with the hand they're dealt um and so people will have strengths and even perhaps overplayed strengths um in how they meet the world and so they're already very rich in what what they already know how they cope or how they flourish how they prosper um and what we're doing is just kind of maybe showing little hidden cards in the deck which maybe people hadn't tried before or already know to deepen into what they already know and or to uh, develop a little more new wiring perhaps little inner uh, ability to have more resource types up their sleeve should they need them it's very nice because you know uh, the change of season can actually be quite challenging for many people and uh, in some ways it's what's really nice about the way you're wording that is making this conscious mm. and inviting your own wisdom and then some tools and tips that you're bringing to engage with these changes and and what they might mean so that seems really nice I was just thinking you know if you didn't know about football and you had a match on telly it might sound like a noise but if somebody guided you to say you know that team has that specialism, that team has that, that person's story is this, you're invited in. And there's something about you saying, you inviting the person's wisdom and stories maybe, or narratives, and then also you're bringing tools. And I saw a little video you'd made about lighting up the hearth. I really loved that because it sounded a little bit, you know, like Scottish or Welsh or Irish culture, you know, that kind of like people round the hearth with, songs and music but something about lighting up the hearth and also uh somatic visualizations i wondered if you could speak to this lighting up the hearth and somatic visualization or all these things like you said pleasure and the body what 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 are these pieces and tools that you're talking about yeah so if people haven't done somatic work overtly before um Quite a nice analogy sometimes is to compare it to hypnotherapy, where you might say that the whole imagination is somatic. Um, you know, everyone has probably come across that that thing of imagining biting into a lemon and your taste buds immediately start responding. And so that's the sort of wiring that we're uh, playing with there because we're inviting in this workshop um, images of light of the sort of warmth that that individual would respond to it's not the next person's version of a happy hearth perhaps so leaving hopefully enough space 
uh, is the aim to have and elicit the kind of qualities that one would like to have if you were lighting a hearth for all parts of you to gather round. I once uh, had an end of year session with a client who we'd done lots of parts work. So if, if people might or might not be aware of parts work, but you can have child parts, adult parts um, in the system. And this client um, was aware of kind of wrapping up for the year. And it was almost like he was inviting all the parts of himself in and tucking them in and they were all almost celebrating together. And it was such a sweet image and such a, a warming, uh, welcoming, inclusive image. And I just feel, and, and I think Rachel feels that um, when we have such times as we're living in with so much polarity and inner polarization, I like this part of me, I don't like that part of me. I struggle with this, I don't struggle with that. I, I want more of this, but I hate that. You know, sometimes it can be really useful to create an inner environment where we're sort of egalitarian and we have a kind of equanimity and a loving warmth uh, towards all of these parts that have something to say. And maybe we can imagine and sense and invite these very qualities that we want to be more of in ourselves. Maybe we feel uh, we want some warmth, uh, just basic heat or warmth. And we might ask the people or the listener to just sense where there is warmth in your body. Where is there a pleasing warmth in your body? What other qualities might you want? More warmth? Find somewhere else in your body that has that warmth. Connectedness, maybe? Where's somewhere in your body that knows something about connectedness? And you can, if you like, join up those those parts into a kind of constellation um, or just leave them as they are, as, you know, uh, discrete moments in your body. That's fine. And then just kind of having this invitation to gather yourself around this welcome, this welcome that means good things to you these qualities that you would seek out yeah that's that's very nourishing and inviting and i'm curious because of obviously you're doing the year and the seasons but we're talking about the darker months and i'm curious about darkness because of you know that was so that was so sweet the way you said that because you know some sometimes darker months could be confronting could be um difficult could be um oh, I feel like I want to stay in, but it's a kind of uh, crouching in. But the way you said that was a kind of, it was lovely inv inviting in to the warmth or connectedness. And I'm just curious about you uh, where the darkness comes in, because this idea that people often say that it's quite good to, you know, have a go to sleep in a lot of darkness or or have a lot of darkness earlier in the night and actually let darkness be there and I, I I know somebody who's running workshops uh, which are dark in the dark people oh, go wow. on workshop yes they're darkness workshops to yeah all to be together maybe with some music or different ideas but to, to be in darkness in your home on a zoom workshop so I'm wondering about that darkness whether that's in this your somatic resourcing with the darker months I'm wondering whether darkness is there yeah, definitely, because as much as we've been talking about the, the soft glow of the embers of, of the warming uh, that might be appropriate to that season, uh, Rachel will be taking people on a, on a journey into the darkness. So um, really capitalising on what the earth knows at this time. You know, going really into the season just as it is without trying to change it without trying to artificially heat it up you know because one of the the things that we're trying to invite here I guess is the the lost art of hibernation and what what goodness there is in that just recapturing our plant self our um deep mammalian self that if we didn't have our artificial light and our 
fridges and our ovens, you know, what would we be doing? How would we be spending this time? How few daylight hours would we really be active? And so, you know, as much as possible in, you know, most of our listeners will be in the industrialised nations, I'm sure, but it's, um, yeah, to really harvest what you can from the season's innate coming inwards, as you say. And I really like that about, you know, your naming of making coming in quite a nourishing experience and 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 the kind of embracing different parts and coming coming in. I remember somebody said to me once that they had a little bed with a pillow and uh eider down, just open a little bit, ready uh to invite someone in to their heart. And I thought oh. it was a really sweet image, but also maybe that what the way you're naming it is we can be invited into this darkness, into this hibernation, into what does that mean for us? Because because going in can be scary, because darkness can be seen as scary. And it's interesting what's that like to find out what's your version or what how you would like that or you know because when we're kids we made dens we made places that were dark deliberately deliberately little hidden things or children would hide behind a, a, a pillow even if they weren't really hidden they thought they were hidden if they put something over their face so yeah it's 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 there's something nice it's something playful about you talking about visualization and connected and parts and something yeah what do you think about the way you're doing this yeah and we 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 would love it to be as playful as possible um and as enriching as possible because um just as you say as we're when we're children we have maybe a more interesting relationship with the dark we're not just sort of batting it away it's the place of mystery it's the place of the unknown it's you know the fertile dark and the fertile void in a way so and it is a place of the fairy tale and the magic of the starry night so it's there are so many interesting um non-polarizing realizations and discoveries to be had in this kind of open relationship that we might have with the dark it's there whether we want it or not at least half of the time so it makes sense that we would re-embrace it it's a little bit like people discovering a new relationship with cold as is really common now yes yes do you want to say more about that that's interesting isn't it yeah there is yeah well you you are doing more cold water swimming than me but I think it's it's I have been I haven't in the last couple of weeks but I have done yes it's lovely yes yeah yeah what's it giving you because to sort of invite aliveness aliveness. yeah Yeah, it's uh and community uh aliveness and community because there's something really interesting about going with other people cold water swimming and this amazing sense of regularity of regularly going cold water swimming with other people and the turn of like the seasons the turn of life so if one person's having a baby another person's got a health issue another person's got a job interview another person it's there's this kind of turn of life and it kind of allows things to be real and regular so if one person's got a lot going on another might go I get that it's not it's 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 something very real going swimming with other people and just people being real together in the water just as they are just as they are it's kind of interesting yeah yeah, and held by a ritual is is so yeah. lovely. Yeah, it reminds me of what you're saying. Reminds me of the film Smoke Sauna Sisterhood. Right, so it's the power of having a holding container that is sometimes just what you want, and sometimes deeply uncomfortable, and sometimes, but it's raw, it's alive, it's of the elements, 
And uh, I think that's what we're saying across the board, really, aren't we? And I think there's something really lovely about you create, I think there's something very special about creating experiences as a a group, even though, like you said, one-to-one is lovely, but something as a group, and like you said, you know, bringing ideas together that, that can be brought together and given as a group. And so the kind of group experience of being held, even though everybody's experience is different, there's something about you bringing themes and ideas woven together for a group uh what other thoughts you've got visualization you've got cold you've got dark you've got stories i don't know if you're bringing stories in or whether that's just in each person's own being their own stories maybe i would say more that way um we will have guided journeys but leaving as much space for the person to fill in the blanks for themselves because yeah. we really you know although we're available to share tools and sort of intersperse and sprinkle and mulch in what we know we want to leave a lot of space for what people already uh, may have stashed away in their own systems consciously or unconsciously um, my clients always amaze me about how much wisdom they have if they can hear themselves it's just amazing it's yeah so it's a kind of journey into knowing yourself but with invitational spaces to come into that yeah yeah exactly exactly so um people can share as much or as little as they want you know and um yeah, it's exactly what you just said. Yeah. And so it's a story. You could say it's a story, but we're picking up where that person's story is currently. What their relationship to the, the darker months is now. And then maybe a chapter unfolds in the time of that workshop or the potential for a slightly different perspective or, as we say, something hidden, a hidden jewel to come out. And what happens with people who live more in the city or more in the countryside or what what happens with all of those different dimensions as well? Mm, Good question. Yeah, because some people will be naturally closer to the earth and the rhythms and some people will be really having to work hard to shut out uh, the intrusions of non-seasonal specific noise and light and um our artificial construct so yeah exactly everyone's genuinely starting in a a different place in a unique place and also what happens with fear of the dark and the cold Mm -hmm. and the unknown which is also normal and natural It's, it's yeah 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 i think that is just a question right there because um and i wouldn't be naive enough to try to answer that now because i think what we're going to in the workshop at least create holding container and inner guidance and somatic uh allies uh to accompany and help people to be with fear because there's nothing unnatural about that as you say there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with fear of the unknown and uh, all of us might benefit from grabbing our ally and our tools whatever they may be in order to have relationship with fear and with dark cold aloneness you know it's it's really a potent thing to be with what, what might an ally be? So in somatic resourcing work, you might call in a, a guide from nature a little bit as you would in uh, more indigenous practices. Um, that may be a guide that knows a little something about this challenge from nature. 
you might uh, a mountain might appear to you or an animal might appear to you maybe you might call in um a healed ancestor who knows a little more than us modern humans you know it, we really invite people to be confident in their imagination mm. um, but also none of none of the imaginal dimensions may appeal to someone and we may literally stay with the your heart or your rooted legs or your solidity that that is just as potent mm. yeah allies come in many forms i think mm. your wisest self might be one you know mm. and i suppose a lot of this is the rhythmic voice that you and Rachel hold and your presence to invite in a in in a curious explorative way to open to to open a space which ultimately is about the person but to give that holding with your own presence and your own voices to mm -hmm. that dimension yeah exactly exactly and it's um i think you just named another ally there in the form of curiosity that's our biggest ally about having choicefulness and uh different angles to look at um challenge or the unknown with yeah and what was it for you? Obviously, you've done many body trainings and many somatic trainings and, and so many different, you know, attachment theory and psychological trainings, as well as being a musician and then also developing lullaby to be uh, a somatic resource to help calm the nervous system. But what was it that took you into this journeying with the body psychotherapeutically and, and in a coaching sense what what what's taken you here what brought you here to to do this yeah 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 well I had various challenges myself uh with PTSD and with uh chronic pain and um I really was not helped that much I I had some beautiful um therapists that worked with me and and body workers that, that worked with me over the years and everyone added something um but I really found this interface of the somatic way you know and it's this word banded around a lot and and it's it's hard to completely define what it is but it's um how you're for me anyway it's how your felt sense or how your embodied uh sensations and energies link and dovetail in with your emotions and uh, thoughts so you don't have this kind of king of your reality being your brain your brain's thoughts basically obviously you're experiencing everything through your brain so it's and it is part of your body uh, but it's sort of just changing the lens to include more of yourself uh, the more of the sensations more of the images that sort of bubble up from one's awareness uh, more of your impulses and those might not have um, so much room in talking therapy as it was traditionally done a good therapist is a good therapist but it's it's a sort of different toolkit I would say so um, yeah and it just helped me across the board and when I was training in um, all these uh, somatic modalities at that time um, and still, there is this kind of interweaving of somatics must equal trauma work. And it's not actually the case because somatics includes so many indigenous, you know, practices, dance, song, you know, our ancient roots are somatic um, ritual and um, dream work. And gosh, just... Um, herbalism feldenkrais yoga you know we, you just could go on and on about what is already there as somatic work and um i and rachel also really 
wanted to uh, harvest the life-giving uh, potentials of somatic work so that it doesn't always have to be about trauma, doesn't always have to be about anxiety management because people will come across trauma in day to day, probably, you know, overwhelming experience, shall we say. And we don't always need to name it and elicit it and call it up in a space. So for instance, this workshop, we're saying it may have a therapeutic benefit, but it's not therapy. We're not um, aiming to delve into the, um, the trauma vortices that we might, might have, but actually to turn our eye to the goodness and the already working and the uh, how we already know how to meet ourselves. Because that the resourcing part of therapy is just so hugely beneficial about tools and tips and deepeners and relationship building with oneself and then out to nature, out with the world. Um, there's so much connectedness to be had that um, that's very much where where I'm pointing at the moment. That seems so relevant because um, thanks to you, I'm engaged in learning deep brain reorienting. Yes. Dr. Frank Corrigan, yes. again, somatic and to do yes. with the deep brain and somatic sequencing and yeah. releasing uh, yeah. feelings, affect, as well as shock. And it's amazing. Mm -hmm. But I recommended it to someone and their first session was to release something joyful oh. and they experienced joy all that week <laughs> so uh, it's a it's a methodology where you can release a present moment trigger and it'll open a file you do it very safely very slowly to release a, a trigger uh, something in your life mm -hmm. it's causing you uh, to to experience sensations or feelings or emotions thoughts and there's a possibility of releasing the shock and the feelings around that. And so this, this person um, was guided to bring up something joyful and that it amplified it. And that's in a way what I'm hearing you're saying with the workshop. And it makes sense because, you know, we, we, we come understandably from a world about fixing and sorting, don't we? Which is understandable. And there's, and that's very helpful. And there's, also that kind of opening and amplifying the good which is interesting like you're saying you know and it's they can be both and can't it so it's yeah, yeah. I see it really as a figure of eight like you yeah. harvest your your resources it makes the trauma have a or yeah. stress or whatever we call it you know um in enlarging experience shall we say it gives it a bigger container it's it can infiltrate they can mix yeah. uh, we can grow into our uh difficult experiences with support and help and tons of resource and i think what um what i've also got uh from the deep brain re uh, reorienting model is a, a new view on how much shock we have as a species that makes us hyper vigilant and i think leads to what you're saying the fix it mentality mm -hmm. you know we've only survived as a species as many have said uh through our hyper vigilance and hyper vigilance is part of shock so mm -hmm. i think you know peter levine has said it um and i certainly find it very well met in in deep brain reorienting um that moment of fizz like the the moment of that when you first un, unscrew that carbonated drink, you to to help that to have more time in uh, therapeutic work is very very useful to help us land um, that initial oh my god what was that whether it was good or bad because it sounds like your friend you know may have had a positive shock a positive fizz. Yeah. For yeah. me, shock isn't good or bad. It's just like, 
what was that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's so interesting. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like um, dating or um, getting a job someone wants, they can be it can be quite confrontational and can bring up parts of do I want this? Do I like this? Do I want it? Uh, because it can be quite shocking even that uh, to be wanted. Yes. Even if it's what one wants, it can be quite, it can be confronting. So that's, yeah, how to help uh, really shock around, you know, because uh, it can, it can really make the nervous system go on overdrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, excite, excitement about what somebody, somebody wants. It can be quite hard to regulate with that. So it's, it's interesting, isn't it? it? Can doesn't have to be good or bad. It's kind of, there can be shocks in different experiences so yeah yeah and it's I think it's just so interesting where the neuroscience of somatic therapy is headed because once you know what shock feels like and what it does and the effects of long-term shock in terms of jumpiness and the brain hopping from one subject to the other and that fizziness in the nervous system and you know sleeplessness or you know that is pure, purely, you could say, the shock held in the system, in the brain, rather than always seeing it as the later stages of fight-flight. It's not It's not necessarily the pu- the defences. Um, I could talk about this for ages, but it's just... so helpful. That is so helpful to... Because in the deep brain reorienting, mm-hmm. you have a chance to sequence and and allow that to move through exactly and you know so sleep and even they were talking about pain you know the potential of allowing pain to 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 be with it and slowly in a slow way and allow whatever if it's possible to 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 have a a sequence to have a movement or yeah yeah it's amazing incredible so that's lovely about that fizziness yeah which which is so regular in life in so many different ways and how that that has a possibility to 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 move yes exactly and then to once we've given that enough time it can more smoothly move into emotional processing and more smoothly through the defenses and then more smoothly into the pain but if you've taken off all that sort of excitatory shock or sort of allowed the drink to become flatter as it were, then, you know, it's it's been really a game changer for me to learn more about that neuroscience because um, how we have been seeing the stress response has been all about the defences, all about the sort of fight, flight, freeze. And it's that's its own category, but it's not shock. That's um, so interesting. That's so interesting. And also because... You know, Babette Rothschild did this whole thing about the the, the Coke bottle thing, mm. doing it slowly, you know, that you want to release slowly. But but actually looking at that is shock. Yeah. Just not just fight, flight, freeze, fix or whatever that, you know, yeah. it's shock then. And then also attachment, you know, mm. so what's going on in attachment or, or how we relate. Because. Mm. Uh, it, it's multi-dimensional really but so much will be going on isn't it but if some of that can get released yeah then the potential to notice what might be there yeah or not there yeah yeah exactly not there and I think um oh, it's just so lovely to have these nuances it's so lovely to have this making enough time for the shock the emotions the defenses and the pain as different elements yeah of the process because i was asking frank corrigan like you know are the hidden elements the shock and the pain and he said pretty much yes because the emotions and the defenses are so loud and so quick to come in that we can spend ages just circling around those two elements in your uh, pag in the brain but you're looking at slightly different areas of the brain to release the shock and a different area again um, to uh, uh, sense into your pain and help that to be felt. And this, uh, the clients can feel it. It's quite amazing 
once they know that they're looking for four elements, it's like, yeah. <laughs> the client said to me today, or the other day, the pain is on another level. And that's exactly what it's like in the brain. They were with grief, but they they could tell that pain was almost like a different shelf. And it, it's quite amazing. It's so interesting for people to have that kind of brain hygiene, I think, of just like, have we given your brain the chance, your nervous system, to have enough time for all those elements to come through? It's so extraordinary because a bit like having a tidy garden, yeah. that it's possible to have a moderate and tidy emotional literate life and the multidimensionality that can now be taken on board by potentially therapist and client and the understanding what's going on in the brain including you know the cabinoids and the opioids and you know where what, is someone switching off and because they've yeah. accessed a different part of their brain or are they you know are they getting another experience and actually if you slow it down and 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 make sure they've connected mm. with their deep brain and the trigger in a certain way and make sure it's slow enough yeah to help them release it, it it's so and the way you're naming it the four parts what are the four parts the shock emotions and defenses because they come from the pag the periaqueductal gray and then pain, which comes from the dorsal raphe nucleus, which is a slightly different part. Mm -hmm. And the shock is coming from the locus ceruleus. So they are literal different parts. Mm -hmm. And how I see it is, you know, trying to process what happens to us in life. If we don't do it slowly and sort of in a more sort of separating it out as much as possible so that we can come together and feel more integrated later it's really worth sort of like eking out those those four um it's i don't know i don't even know what i was going to say <laughs> my mind is blown <laughs> well the beauty about the slowness and the actuality like you saying navigating where someone is in the brain and staying with the intricacy but in the level of slowness is to me it's like it looks like birth it looks like birth because yeah. if someone stays in contact, yeah. there's something real and actual with that contact, mm -hmm. um, which is different to overwhelm, which also could happen. But it's it, and navigating that. But it's but there's this actual contact, and in that contact, the different sequencing, the different releasing, mm -hmm. and it it's very co-collaborative. So the 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 client can tell yeah tell and the therapist also it seems to me gets an an experience of a session too because because they're they're holding space with the client they're both holding space of presence yes so it seems like a new world a new world of therapy yeah. a new dimension it's not staying separate and cognitive in a way it's actually staying very close but it's co-collaborative it's, a whole, it's not being anywhere else other than the here and now, but navigating the here and now in a very slow way that allows someone to witness themselves yeah. and allow that sequencing or releasing in a, in a very specific slow way where they get to know themselves. Exactly. Yeah, the, I think the thing about this way of working is that the person stays in the observer role because part of the setup being finding a little tension around the the orienting muscles at the beginning. And that just makes it so non-overwhelming for the client. They can really they, they stay in witness and they're feeling all those states that you just said through the body. So the sensation. So, you know, the client ends up noticing if they're slipping up to the upper brain levels are they starting to do narrative are they starting to go into parts work even and then just coming back to sensation just it's like getting a lift downwards again um and then continuing and yeah i think i remember what i was going to say before in that um 
the overwhelm I think happens because of different parts of the brain trying to process all at once. And this work says locus ceruleus first, then the PAG, emotions and defenses, and then the dorsal raphinucleus. And so it's not like four horses trying to cram out of one gate, which would put anyone off doing, feeling their feelings. So that's shock, emotions, defenses, and pain. Yeah. It makes so much sense, doesn't it? It makes it's so much really sense. It's really elegant. Our bodies are elegant. Our biology is so elegant. And I'm so grateful to, you know, the developers of this model, you know, Frank Corrigan, especially for, you know, taking the time looking at fMRI scans to get this knowledge um, to really see that, you know, is it the amygdala that's the main, you know, starting point of the stress response or does it start way, you know, way before then? But we're talking about milliseconds before, but it's it's really significant milliseconds, really starting at the onset of the of the event, the stressful event, the when did it start to go wrong? So you can get the shock. So you're not just catapulted into the deep sea from the beginning of um, uh, the emotions when you're just swimming for dear life and everything's too overwhelming because shock's still there. It's so clear and so specific and so helpful because the client is in the process witnessing it as the therapist is holding space co-collaboratively and safely because they've brought their deep brain on there, witnessing it and they're going through the stages and they get it. Even if they leave for a moment and they're guided back, they, they get that they, that they may have left for a moment, then they come back or they may go to a more cognitive place and then guided back. They get yeah. They get that these are patterns they might have, but they get when they're there. They get they get it, it seems. And it's so incredible to be in this time and place in life yeah. where people is, are teaching this level of brain science mm -hmm. in such a level of detail mm -hmm. to therapists who may not be brain scientists or doctors or nurses, you know, may not have a medical background, yeah. but are being taught Mm. Uh, this level of information about the body so that they can work with someone yeah exactly and the, and the client gets it mm. something extraordinary and the generosity of that yeah this um teaching and that it's coming now i mean probably and you would know more than me that this body informed trauma work has probably been going for eons oh yeah but it does seem like more and more is coming in that joins up the dots and yes. people are giving us this research and I wondered when you're teaching as well like a workshop if you bring your big brain your deep brain on yeah your, if that also helps you run a workshop because you can kind of bring your deep brain your observer on with allowing that flow and that slowness in the workshop if I'm wondering I wondered that too yeah definitely um because the, the bit that we haven't named is the superior colliculi, which is part of the, the setup of a deep deep brain reorienting session of coming into the part of your brain between your earlobes that knows exactly where you are right now and can sense the dimensions of the room and the, the ceiling height and all this, uh, and where you literally are on the planet right now. And having that awareness and having at least part of your thinking energy between your earlobes can be such a lovely thing because this part knows where where your shoulders are where your hips are where your feet are you know your inner structure it can see out of your eyes because that's how the wiring goes it can hear out of your ears you have wiring from your superior colloquy to your hearing and you know you can draw yourself into there anytime and also what's so lovely about the setup of of dbr that i sometimes encourage my clients to do is to drop even from between the earlobes down a little bit into their brainstem awareness um, because it gives um, a little sense of just being alive in a body and just because it has the energy centers of um, that enlivens our thoughts and feelings um, further up in the brain. And you can just sense your, you can just embody that. You can just pop into that little bulb 
on the top of your spine and just kind of think and feel from there. Why not? So just below, just behind the throat, do you mean that? Where where do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you would be right on top of your spine as it becomes, as the spinal cord becomes the brain deep. It's almost like the heart of your. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and it's nice to have a picture like if, if people want to look up the brainstem look up um what it looks like and it's it's just this sweet little bulb really and why not just just pop yourself in there if you want a moment of just being alive brilliant think from there think and feel from there feel you, you know what's going on in your body think of something you like about yourself from there brilliant you know like simple so lovely so beautiful so beautiful. Well, thank you, Kate, Daisy Grant. It's been so wonderful. Bless your heart. And uh, more, <laughs> more books, more workshops and more ideas and more somatic resourcing through the season. So thank you very much. And um, Thanks, Kate. all the details below. So thank you so much. Lovely to speak with you. So good. So good. <laughs> So that was the lovely Kate Daisy Grant talking about the darker months and somatic resourcing and different ways to consider the cold, the dark, going inward, snuggling in, resourcing up, visualising, connecting. I hope that gave you something, gave you some nurturing, hope that uh, it gives you some thoughts to think about and if you want to explore her uh, wonderful courses and books with Rachel Blackman you can look below for the links thanks <laughs>